It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Welcome to Daily Thunder, and welcome to our new studio. This is a pretty exciting moment, the inaugural message in our new studio. And uh, I don't know, there's a certain awe uh, that I'm carrying around and just sort of being in here. This is a big project. And the fact that we had to delay uh, this series for as many weeks as we we have uh, should indicate to many of you that have been waiting for it that this probably was a bigger project than we anticipated. But just the blessing of it has been so significant. It's going to be such a better set up for us moving forward. I just want to give a special thanks to James Flood for his investment into this. Uh, he uh, has basically architected this process and put together all the video, the audio, and it's just quite amazing. So I uh, just wanted to thank him uh, sort of publicly for that. Uh, but I'm just uh, privileged to be able to sort of kick off this studio, warm it up, uh, get the juices flowing in it. And I think there's uh, no better series uh, name uh, for something like that than the Muscular Christian. Uh, very athletic sounding message and series. And so we're sort of entering into our fall uh, season. Uh, we don't have a training going on in our campus right now. We're actually renovating our campus. And so we have a lot of fun projects taking place. The studio was one of them. On the other side of the wall to my left, uh, when you're looking at the screen, it would be to the right. But uh, through a two foot thick wall is an office space for Leslie and I uh, moving forward. And so just a lot of fun things taking place that it's going to be neat to see how the campus looks at the end of these eight months. And so for the students coming in the summer, well, I'm excited to have you guys take a peek uh, into this. Meanwhile, you guys get sort of the magical version of it. You know, when you come into a studio and you turn all the lights on, it doesn't seem as magical. But when you turn all the lights off, turn the key lights on and, you know, start the rolling, it's uh, it's pretty cool. And I, I really have enjoyed uh, being a part of this process. So guys, uh, this is a seven-part series called The Muscular Christian. I have addressed these topics many times over the years. They're some of the most crucial in my soul personally. And so there will be some new flavoring to this, but sort of old school ideas and truth that if you've hung around Ellerslie for years, even listen to Daily Thunder, uh, however many episodes we are in the 900s now, you would have heard these thoughts multiple times. And that's how truth works. Truth is not an invention of a novel idea. It's the rehearsing of that which is real, that which is truth, that which is revealed. And so we have to it's, we have to return to these things often and always. And I've oftentimes given the difference between like the ABCs and mathematics you can learn that two plus two equals four, and it doesn't harm you that you don't think about it every day. And it doesn't dissipate, and you don't lose its luster and its power in your life by not rehearsing it and not remembering it in a active sense. It just comes back when you need it. But kingdom truth, biblical truth, the revelation of heaven to this earth has to be rehearsed. It has to be remembered. You have to often and always come back to it. And that's why a series like this, I think, has tremendous import in our life, even if we know it. It has tremendous importance to me as a leader, as a teacher, even though I've taught on these things many times. The coming back to key themes. What makes a Christian strong? What 
grounds a, a, a Christian, what founds them in the rock? How can you, when winds and waves beat against your house, stand firm in the midst of such a trial? And that's what we are meant to be constructed for. We are built of heavenly lumber as believers, and we are built to stand firm in the midst of whatever trial, whatever challenge, whatever tragedy would come our way. We're believers. We're Christians. We showcase the impermeable nature of the kingdom of heaven. So there's a word I just sort of snuck it in. And if you, of course, getting this via podcast or even in a video, you see the title before I can debut it, and that is impermeable. It's part one of our series, and that's a classic Eric Ludi word. I use this word a lot. I don't know that very many other people use this word, but it's a, it's a word that I return to often. And maybe it's because of the winds and the waves that are beating against our house. It's because, you know, let me give you the definition, not allowing fluid to pass through. So, you know, if you are going to stand to your ground amidst winds and waves, it really helps to not allow all that water, all those waves to crash in and damage your interior life. We live in the midst of hostilities as believers. This world is not out to help us. It's out to hinder us. And so as a result, this impermeability is very, very significant in the process of us becoming strong. So listen to this second definition for impermeable. Not allowing anything destructive to pass through. And that, of course, is probably the key definition for what we're talking about today, because we're not talking about fluid. We're talking about the work of the, the enemy to try and invade our life. He is always trying his antics. His wiles are at play. He is desirous to break through, to find a gap into the fortress. However, for many of us, we don't realize that we are supposed to be that very fortress. We're supposed to be a walled-in city. We're not supposed to have our walls broken down, our doors wide open. There's supposed to be a guard up. And that's one of the most important, most elementary truths in the kingdom of heaven, in the life of a Christian, that most Christians today are unaware of which is why I'm actually at the very first uh, message in a series called The Muscular Christian, I'm hitting on it. And that is that we are supposed to be fortified. We are supposed to be walled in. And what's the good of having a walled city or a wall around a city if you have a big gap in it? You know, just to the north side, you can just walk right in. You don't need to try and bust through this gate. You see, the enemy's not dumb. He's constantly surveying our walls, and he's looking for what the Bible is going to call breaches or holes in the wall. And so for us, our desire is to be impermeable, where the enemy's agenda cannot creep into our life. So there is more to the definition. Let me just read you the whole definition. I've sort of been piecemealing it as we've been going through. Not allowing fluid to pass through. Not allowing anything destructive to pass through. Un insusceptible or imperturbable. I, I love those words. And so in other words, whatever the enemy is up to, my answer is no. No, you can't get in here. And what's for most of us, we would love to be able to say that with confidence, but we can't say it with confidence because it seems like the enemy gets in all the time. And that's part of the importance of this idea is you need to recognize that you are supposed to grow up in Christ, that you are supposed to be clothed in Christ, and that if nothing could get through Christ— I mean, because most of us are convinced that he was without sin. We recognize that what the Bible says about him is true. And if sin could not get into him and you are in him, 
you have an impermeable barrier known as Jesus Christ himself. It's not just your wherewithal. It's not just your raw determination and grit. It's Jesus, and there's your secret. So let's dive into the message. And a great starter point would be Ephesians 6.11, which talks about this. It talks about being impermeable or having an impermeable barrier about you. Put on the impermeable barrier. Oh, it doesn't, doesn't say it that way, does it? It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You see, God has given us the equipment to stand against the wiles of the devil, and it's called armor. But there's a key descriptor, and that is the whole armor. You see, it's not, don't just put up this iron plate over here, over your left arm, but put on the whole armor. And when you put on the whole armor, you are able to stand against all the tactics of the enemy. So the word in the Greek is panoplia, which comes from two different Greek words. Pos means entire, all, whole, or complete. And then hoplon, which is armor. And so this is the whole armor. It's actually one word. The entirety of what you need to be able to stand against the devil has been given you. So put it on. It's interesting because many of us know that we have been supplied something at the cross. We know that God has given us his Holy Spirit. Yeah, 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 I know those truths, but they tend to be trivia to us as opposed to very real supply. And so it's strange, but some of us are, in our Christianity are hungry, but we don't realize that God has set a feast before us. And so we sit there in our hunger, we're like, God, I wish you could feed me. He's like, I've supplied you everything you need for life and godliness. We're thirsty and he's given us drink, but we don't know how to reach out and grab it. And the same is true with our armor. We have it. Most of us would agree. Yeah, true. God's given us armor. Well, then follow what Paul is saying in, his, in Ephesians 6.11 and put it on. Wear it. You see, when you're wearing something, you're deliberately choosing to enter into its virtue and its strength. If you were going to wear an airplane, that means you're entering into it. You're sitting down, you're buckling in, you're trusting that that plane can do for you what you can't do for yourself. You can't fly. And that's the same thing in dealing with the devil. You can't stand against the devil. So you need to wear that airplane. You need to wear Jesus Christ. You need to enter into him, sit down, buckle in, and remain. And when you abide in Christ, then the enemy cannot access you. And so that is our great key, our great secret as believers. The heavenly entrustment. I just like the phraseology there because what God has given us is all that we need for life and godliness. And so imagine that that includes this panoplia, this whole entire wall and the entire set for it. So imagine that God intended you to have a wall and you're like, but God, I don't have a wall. Okay. Well, what he has for you is all the stones for the wall and all the mortar. And that's how the kingdom of heaven works. And so there's, it's not just that we don't have a role to play in agreeing with God, just like the Israelites in the days of Nehemiah, what they were given was a task. You see, God had supernaturally brought them back out of uh, Babylon, and he had uh, given them uh, a mission, and he'd supplied them a leader with Nehemiah. They'd already built the temple. Now Nehemiah comes to town with the assignment to build a wall. All the stones are there and the workers are there. It's sort of like our life, but the walls are broken down. And so there needs to be an agreement with God's purpose. We need to say, okay, God, I want you to build the walls. I want to be strong in you. So when I say the heavenly entrustment, this is what I mean by it. The stones to build the entire wall, 
sound with no gaps. In other words, that God has given you all that you need to build a wall with no gaps in it, that is sound, that is strong, that is able to take a hit, wholly fortified. And that is precisely what Jesus Christ has given us. And so some of you are being picked on by the devil at present. And even as you hear this, you know exactly what I mean by that. The enemy is sort of using you as his little punching bag. He gets a little frustrated. He takes it out on you. Well, that isn't the role of a Christian. Okay, Our role is not to be the enemy's plaything. Our role is to actually have authority over the enemy, even though we're a lot more like sheep than the shepherd. The shepherd is the one with the authority. The sheep are the ones that are vulnerable. But as long as the sheep sort of nuzzle up to the ankle of the shepherd, they then have authority over the wolves. And that's the way it is for us. It's not that we individually, apart from God, are stronger than a wolf and we can just sort of get our game on and, you know, give a growl and suddenly the wolves are going to scamper away. No, the devil has us beat, technically. We are weaker than him. However, when we believe in that shepherd and we nuzzle up to his ankle and we trust him and we find ourselves in the shadow of his power, his care, his strength, then that wolf trembles when we bah in the name of Jesus Christ. And so as a result, that's what we need to recognize that we have. We have all that we need to stand against evil. We have all that we need to resist the enemy's agenda against our life. Let's read 2 Peter 1, 2-4. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of, the, and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So that's just a great foundational scripture of understanding what we have in Christ. All that pertains to life and godliness. So when you think about that, life, that includes a lot. All that pertains to life we've been given. All that matters in how we live this out. Well, godliness, what is that? That's God behavior. Well, have you ever noticed that in your own strength, you're not very good at creating God behavior in your life? However, you've been given all that you need for God behavior. So all that pertains to life and godliness has been given to us. It's the heavenly entrustment. We have all the stones, all the mortar. We have everything we need. Now we need to put it on. We have a role in this, and that is we must believe. And as we believe our Lord, as we enter into him like he was that plane and we buckle in, we are submitting ourselves to his ability to work on our behalf, his ability to preserve us, his ability to keep out that which is dark. Everything needed is supplied. So there was a little debate in the studio of, of this word. I call it panoply, but uh, James, who tends to be sort of a linguist uh, guy, is always correcting me in my pronunciation. He said it's panoply. Is that right, James? Is that sound? Yeah. Uh, so uh, and it just doesn't sound good. Some, sometimes James's pronunciations of, of words stink, even though I have to admit they're correct. OK, so but since the Greek is panoplia, it's hard for me to not call it panoply. OK, but so for those of you that are sensitive like James, I'll try and say it both ways. Those of you that like my pronunciation panoply, I'll say it that way for those. I'll throw a bone to you and then I'll say it the other way. So everything that is needed is supplied. The divine panoply, that's for those that you know are with me on this one, and then the divine panoply, 
Boy, does that not sound good. That was for those of you like James. So it's also called the heavenly armor or my special name for it, the super suit. This is what God has supplied us. He's given us everything we need to fly. He's given us everything we need to actually live an impossible life. What I am describing is actually ridiculous because in the natural man, you cannot curb certain desires. You cannot say no to certain movements of the enemy against you. And yet I'm here to tell you that you can say no and you can curb these things and you can change the behavior of your life, but not through your own willpower. It's through submitting to God, just like that passenger entering a plane and sitting down and buckling in saying, this plane is able to do something for me that I can't do for myself. Our God can do something for us that we can't do for ourselves. And our key operation is to put on the supersuit, to put on the panoplia, to put on, as James would say, the panoply. Does I say that right, James? That sounds funny still. Or, or as Eric might say it, the panoply. Boy, does that sound so much better. <clears throat> Let's listen to Psalm 8411. I'm going to read a series of scriptures that sort of enunciate this same thing. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And so when we agree with him, when we walk uprightly, all that is needed for life and godliness is supplied. He will not withhold it from us. A lot of us have this notion that God has the treasuries of heaven, but he seems to be stingy with it. Like when you think about how much joy you've had in your life, it's like he's like, no, no, uh, here, you can have this much. My, my wife gives something called beadlets uh, to uh, our kids, and they're like these little... I don't know if there's essential oils in them or something, usually peppermint, right? And she'll give them and they drop them on the floor and we lose them because they're so small. And that's the way I think a lot of us think God gives out his joy. It's like, okay, here, here, here. This is what you get for the year. And what we fail to realize is that God is actually abundant in his provision, in his generosity, in his desire to not withhold. He wants to give us the entirety of his treasure store. However, it's oftentimes us that hinders that flow. I, I liken Christianity and when we believe to Christ to be uh, sort of like a pipeline that connects the soul of man, that middle section, the heart of man, with the heavenly realms. And it's chock full of grace, like pressurized with liquid grace, like a river. And the key for getting that grace into your life is humility is there's like a gate valve that sits you know off to our left here and you have to like turn it and open it but that's obedience that's yieldedness that's submission that's faith and so as a result many of us hinder the flow of grace into our life though it is there god has supplied everything we need he will not withhold anything from us when we walk uprightly we're not walking uprightly so we're walking selfishly. We, we cater to the flesh side of our life instead of what God is desiring to build within us, which is spirit. And so as a result, when we walk in agreement with him, he floods our life with all that we need to showcase his kingdom. How about this one? Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That's a big statement. He freely gives us all things. Now, some of us want to translate that into dollars and cents and, you know, Camaros or Ferraris, when in actuality, it's talking about spiritual substance, that which we need for life and godliness. He freely gives that to us, and it is his delight to do it. 
1 Corinthians 3, 21 through 23. Therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Peter or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. And you are Christ's and Christ is God's. In other words, all that is there, all that God has supplied for whatever reason has been given us in Christ. It's a strange, perplexing, bewildering reality that though we, those of us listening to this, are so frail, so human, so incapable of producing our own righteousness, why would God put up with us? But he has seen fit in Christ to not just rescue us from the penalty of our sin, but to supply us his very life and to invest within us all that he is, to not withhold any good thing so that we could live in these bodies in such a way, even though we are surrounded by the conspiracies of darkness, that we could live in such a way as to be impermeable, to be separate, to be other than, to be fortified from the works of the enemy and to be fully satisfied in these lives. Amazing. The Ludi living room. So I have two things under this, the sliding door and the bowl of peanuts. So this goes back quite a few years uh, for me. But I remember I was teaching the kids. And I mean, I want to say, I don't know, five, maybe even as many as seven years. But I remember uh, it's the same house that we live in now. But uh, and we have sort of a similar setup, couch, you know, like four chairs. You can fit all of our kids and, and Leslie's there and and I'll pace around the outside and oftentimes I'll, I'll be praying or I'll, I'll be teaching something. And I remember a very specific time when I was teaching them the same truth that we're talking about now, and that is this impermeable nature to the Christian, this fortified life that we are called to. And so I, I, I said, just imagine guys that it's like negative 10 degrees outside. And I don't know, it could have been even at that time, gusting winds and snowy. I don't remember, but it's possible in Colorado. And uh, and I said, imagine that I open this sliding door. And so we have a sliding glass door right off that room. And I said, what would happen if I just left this door open? And, you know, they, these kids of mine are pretty smart. And they came to the conclusion that that cold air would end up in here. And those gusting uh, winds and that snow would end up in here. And suddenly we would have snow that was not intended to be inside the Ludi home, inside the Ludi home. Why? Well, because daddy opened the glass sliding door. And isn't it obvious that daddy shouldn't open up and leave that door open during the middle of a winter snowstorm? And I could say the same to you. Isn't it obvious that you should not open up that sliding door of your life in the middle of a snowstorm and allow that enemy work outside or that hostility or that chill from outdoors to come in and invade your life? You see, you were designed, yes, with sliding doors and with windows and that you can leave open. It is a very big possibility that we all have. However, at any point in time, when you recognize that you have been walking in disobedience and that that storm has entered into your soul, do you know that there's a great secret to solving it? You can shut the door. You can slide it back shut and you could call it repentance. And it's making right what was wrong. It is correcting a errant trajectory. And so as a result, here's what I'm going to say for all of us. God designed us to be homes that can keep out the winter chill. That is what Christ is. However, we have decisions to make in the midst of this home. 
We have sliding doors. We have windows. And so as a result, there are things we're supposed to let in and there's things we're supposed to keep out. And knowing how to discern between the two is going to define a successful Christian life from an unsuccessful one. In this uh, slide that I had up on the screen, the Ludi living room, I had the sliding door and then I had another illustration, the bowl of peanuts. And that was the other illustration. I don't know if I gave it the same day, but it was in the same sort of setting, sliding door off to my left as I'm uh, thinking about it. And then in the middle of the, the table, I said, imagine, I, I said a big bowl of peanuts. It actually was an imaginary bowl of peanuts. And I said, uh, imagine that you're really hungry. And daddy has set a huge bowl of peanuts uh, in the middle of the table. And these peanuts are full, packed full of protein. And I mean, all that you need to sort of remedy your weakness that you currently have. And, and, I, and if I said, you can have all the peanuts that you want. Have at it. Those peanuts belong to you. In fact, it's a bottomless bowl. You can eat and eat and eat, and you'll never run out of peanuts. Now, that's an amazing thought. And I want you to recognize that that bowl of peanuts is like the grace that God has given us in our life. You see, he's given us all that we need, all that is required to be able to supply the strength that is required in this life to live fully for Jesus Christ. And yet many of us have all of it there in the middle of the table, and we don't take it. We don't reach out and grab the peanuts. Some of us reach out and grab the peanuts and go, no, I have the peanuts. However, you're supposed to also break open those peanuts and take out those little gems and stick them in your mouth. And you're not just supposed to stick them in your mouth. You're supposed to chew them. You're supposed to engage with them. And you're not just supposed to engage with them by chewing them. You're supposed to swallow them. And you're not just supposed to swallow them. You're supposed to digest them. There's many stages of receptivity to the truth of God in our life. And many of us have a start, like we're sitting in the, in the living room and we close the door. Okay, praise God. Now we have at least a temperature controlled living room. However, we need to reach out and grab all that God has given us for life and godliness. We need to grab that panoplia, that full supply, that he heavenly entrustment that God has given us so that we can be strong, so that we can exercise the truth in our life. So some of you need to reach out and grab. Some of you need to break open the peanut shells. You need to take out those little gems. You need to stick them in your, on your spiritual tongue. You need to chew them with your spiritual teeth. You need to swallow them with your spiritual uh, throat. And you need to digest them with your spiritual stomach. You need to extract all the, uh, all the digestive goodness out of these peanuts, this grace, so that you can be strong for the task at hand. The miscarriage, the breaches, and the sacred list. So for Leslie and I, this is, I don't even know that I'm going to go into this at any great level. I've talked about it many times in the past, but long and short, this is when, Le when, when God really began to teach Leslie and I about what I'm talking to you about. It's going back quite a few years. I'm going to say right around 15, maybe 16 years. Yeah, right around 16. And uh, when we had a miscarriage. And it was a very, very challenging thing to walk through. But one of the things, instead of just getting mad about it or just getting sad about it, I wanted to grow through this because it's a challenging thing to walk through. If any of you have ever lost a child, this is not something that you really have an easy time processing through. And the devil tries to jump on your back in the midst of it. But God's grace is very present to take even what the enemy means for harm and transforming it. He's very good at taking ash and bringing beauty out of it. He's very good at taking mourning and turning it to joy. This is just his specialty. He's a redeeming God. 
And so we had a miscarriage. And one of the things that God did in me through this time is I remember coming before him and saying, God, I recognize that there are mistakes I've made in my life and there's ways that I'm living right now that to me don't seem that bad. It's like sort of like leaving a door slightly open and getting a chill, a draft in. It's like, come on, this guy has no windows or even walls on the side of his house. All I'm doing is cracking a door. And I felt like God was saying, Eric, therein lies your problem. You're taking a little draft and you're trying to treat it as if it's not a big deal. And I felt like God just nailed me with that, that I was taking small things and trying to make them small instead of taking small things in my life and treating them as big things. You see, when you take the small inconsistencies in your life, the small lies in your life, the small uh, disobedience points in your life, and you're like, hey, that's not that big. That's the problem right there is you're taking sin lightly. And when you do, it breaks down your life. But when you take sin seriously, it's like, Lord, I want to understand the exceeding sinfulness of sin. I want to live on purpose for you. I want to take this one life I have and live it fully for you. And I don't want the enemy to gain any ground. That's when things change. And so God began to show me little breaches, little holes in the wall that I had. And so Les and I created what we call the sacred list. And we spent, we were studying the book of Nehemiah at the time. We're like, okay, Lord, we want to have a strong wall around our life. And we had this list of things, which were little subtle compromises, little things that we were doing uh, that were like, oh, come on, that's not that big of a deal. Right, put it down on the list <laughs> because obviously God's bringing it up to us. Instead of trying to justify, instead of trying to excuse, or as the Puritans used to call it, make make makeshift rationalizations for why it's okay for us to do this. It's like, let's take it seriously. I believe God takes this seriously. And that was a turning point in our life. And what we begin to see is that God began to build a wall about us, is that when we begin to walk uprightly, we didn't justify small little compromises anymore. But that was a secret to break through, to begin to recognize the strength of heaven. You want to become a muscular Christian, start taking those small things that you consider small as big things and respond to them when the Spirit of God leads you. So I call this the sword and the trowel. It sort of fits the Nehemiah picture of building a wall. Because in Nehemiah, they had a sword and they had a trowel. And I'm going to call that the no and the yes. Because we need to wield both and right now. There are certain things that need to stay out of your life. But there's certain things you need to cultivate in your life. You need to allow in. And you don't want to allow in the enemy. You want to allow in the Spirit of God. You want to kick out the enemy. And you want to bring in more of God and his purposes. So Nehemiah 4.18, every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built. Now, having a sword isn't the most helpful thing to build in a wall, is it? That's the way it could seem, but we're very similar to this. As we construct this life that is healthy and strong, we need to have both a sword and a trowel. We need to be filling in those gaps in our life that God is highlighting, saying this needs to be walled in. This is an opening to the enemy, and it needs to be addressed, Eric. And that we also need to have that sword for when the enemy tries to make his move, that we can hold it out and say, not one step further. Further. So learning the no. Now, I teach on no in quite a, diff a few different ways. This is one very specific kind of no that we give very specifically to the devil. So when the devil makes his move, when he gives his lies, when he tries to bait you with a temptation, when he tries to get your eyes to look this way, your heart to look this way, 
you simply say no. And I remember practicing the no back uh, in this exact time period or close to 16 years ago, that when the enemy would do something, I would just be like, no, uh-uh, I'm not going for that anymore. And I remember Leslie asking me, he's like, what are you saying? How do you do that? Because it was like a new feature that we were realizing is that we have the authority in Christ Jesus to just say no, that we don't need to be bullied by the devil anymore. No, that's my answer. No. And that's all I would say. Oftentimes I would make this head move like, no. And I, I've worked on the head move uh, since, so I don't need to be making such a big uh, social statement every time I'm saying no to the devil, which is quite a bit of uh, the day. And yet in the beginning, my head move was fully activated uh, in that. But we need to learn the no to resist the devil. Now look at this. Learn the yes, turning the gate valve of grace. You see, when we agree with God and we say yes, you know what that does? That's like turning the gate valve. It, that, that pressurized pipeline gives us all that we need. When we walk uprightly, he doesn't withhold anything from us. You see, God gives grace to the humble, but resists the proud. We don't want to be the proud guy that thinks he has it all together. We want to be the humble one that acknowledges we don't. I need help, God. I can't fly, but you can. So I'm going to enter into you. I'm going to sit down in that seat that you designed for me, and I'm going to buckle in. And I want to remain here, and I want to abide in this plane. And if I do, my life pulls off the impossible, something that in my humanity I could never do. And that is defeat the law of aerodynamics. How could I overcome, or I'm sorry, defeat the law of gravity with aerodynamics? You see, how could I, as a man, actually fly? And that's the same with actually living the Christian life. We can't do it. Eric Ludi does not have the capacity to do it. But my God does. And what he has given me at that cross supplies me everything I need to be able to do it. So don't take the guff of the enemy anymore. Our God is faithful and true. Let him do what only he can do. Guys, I'm just going to finish with a prayer, a prayer of blessing over you, a prayer of blessing over this new studio, that what takes place here in the studio, what takes place in your life in and through what takes place here in the studio would be profound. Father, thank you for this beginning. Thank you for this first episode in the studio. I pray that it would be richly blessing unto those that hear it, that they would be encouraged and strengthened. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would make a name for yourself in this generation. Lord, we love you and we submit to you. It's in the precious name we pray. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellersley.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.